Cinder Williams here. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 22 of the PPC Podcast. I'm back home for a bit, and things are moving in my life at a rapid pace. And on that note, let's get on with it. There have been so many moments in my life when I felt like I was spinning out of control. And if you know me, then you know I don't like being out of control. And sometimes that's my problem. It's taken me a long time to learn how to find peace through the storm. But sometimes that hurricane of life is so overwhelming that it takes an outsider to catch me and bring me back to balance and put on a more productive path. Well, my guest today, he has a story to tell of where he was grabbed up and put back on that road of success. Everybody, introducing Jarrell Reed. Jarrell Reed, welcome to the PPC Podcast. What's up, man? Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh-huh. I'm good. <laughs> good. So where are you right now? Are you in Chicago still? Are you in Chicago? Yep, I've been in Chicago my whole life, born and raised. Uh-huh. Looking to move soon, but right now I'm here. What? Yeah. You're going to leave Chicago? What's up with I'm, that? I'm going to leave. So, leave. okay, I, this isn't typical, but tell me about that. What's bringing you somewhere else? I mean, you don't have to get too deep, but... Well, I don't know many Chicago people that leave. That's why I ask. I like warm weather. Uh, and I visited Miami this weekend. That's probably where I'm headed in four years when my kids graduate. So okay. I like to be warm. You sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason why I came back to this climate is because I raised my daughter here. Um, okay. She she was born in L.A. We lived there about five years. And I was like, you know what? It's time to go. There were too many superficial things coming out of her mouth. And I was like, nope, got to be around. Yeah. Got to be around tribes. So I understand that raising your kids where your family is. So you're from which part of Chicago? I was where I'm from Cabrini Green. That's where I was born and raised. That's how my mom and dad met. That's where my family's from. Uh, but I lived all over. Uh, I lived in Lathrop Homes, which is another housing project just north of Cabrini, uh, all over the west side of Chicago. Um, I'm on the west side of Chicago right now. So I've been on the west side like half my life. Okay. Well, I was I was uh, born on the west side. And okay, okay. I was there till I was five. And then I moved to the south side. And I was there until I moved away. Uh, so so we both homies here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, very near Cabrini Green. So I know all about it. And I have a lot of friends that grew up there. So I can respect the fact that um, Cabrini Green could be if you're blessed enough to have a family around you that loves you a wonderful thing but it also could be difficult because Mm -hmm. of I'm looking at your face and and thinking you're pretty young Um, yeah yeah, so so tell me about your experiences as a child Um, I think I experienced it all in terms of positive and negative um Growing up in public housing, I actually wouldn't change that because when I was in public housing, I was sheltered. And the funny thing is, I didn't start getting in trouble and start getting into mischief until I moved to the west side of Chicago. 
that's how all that stuff started. But uh, my father was there. My mom and dad were never together, but my father was always there. Um, my mom was around, but I experienced all the negativity that you could experience, the trauma, the childhood trauma. Um, but also growing up in Cabrini, I was able to experience uh, things that the West High Chicago didn't have. A lot of summer youth programs and stuff like that that I was involved in, I was able to experience um, going out of town and um, getting a chance to see the world that a typical nine-year-old or 10-year-old wouldn't get a chance to experience. So I pretty much saw it all growing up. Um, besides the childhood trauma and the stuff that I saw growing up, um, the shootings, the murders, the drugs, and stuff like that. Um, that thing, that type of thing, I'm gonna whistle on any child. Um, but other than that, um, I had a pretty, pretty solid childhood. My grandma was always there. My grandma, um, she saw the route I was going or where I could potentially go because my cousin was murdered in 98. Um, and I was really like, by 98, I was young, like 14. 15, I think, maybe 14 to 15, I was kind of spinning out of control. And she was like, all right, I got to get this boy, control of this boy. Um, and so she set me up with a summer job. And from that point on, I kind of carved out uh, my area in public service, working that summer job. And um, I kind of, from that point, worked on every level of government, city, county, state. Um, I got involved with uh, the Young Democrats, I got involved with working, um, learning how to run a campaign and help get politicians elected. And that that experience, I don't think I can learn anything that I've learned in politics or in public service. Um, it was really the training ground. And I don't think any school could have taught me what I've learned in that process. Um, so that's kind of my foundation and where I come from, how it started. So were you uh, the leader type or were you behind the scenes pushing the leader forward type? I'm more the number two guy pushing the leader forward. Um, I have the leadership qualities because I'm the oldest of six kids. Um, but I was never, I was always taught growing up where I come from, being like when you see the streets and you see the gang culture, um, that taught me to kind of lay behind the scenes and not be so much in the forefront. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, um, what was your experience with the gangs? Did they try to recruit you, or did you manage to avoid their eyes eye line? The interesting part is about the gangs, especially in the projects. Um, kids were off limits. Like when I grew up, you touch a kid or you do harm to a kid to try to recruit a kid, like it's violation. So. Like, I was around the gang chiefs. They knew me, they knew my family. Some of them were my family. And it was like, if we catch you on this corner and catch you over here, there's gonna be a problem. So I was kind of sheltered from that. I was around it, I saw it, I knew it, I saw it firsthand. But um, they didn't push you, they didn't push kids into uh, the negative culture like they do now in today's, in today's time. Um, I've probably been under peer pressure probably a couple times. Like. The stuff I did, I wanted to do because I was an adrenaline junkie, uh, but I was never pushed into it. Good, that's cool. That's good to know, that's good information. I, I, I wasn't sure mm -hmm. how that went. Um, so your grandmother was, uh, she worked for the, the city, right? 
Yeah, she was a part of the Great Migration. My mom's mom, and she moved to uh, the South Side first, 78th and Sankin, and then she moved to Cabernet Green um, in the early 60s. And then she got involved with politics and worked for the city and back in the 70s through the 80s. Um, and that's how like the foundation was set. And then she ended up, she raised like 20 grandkids, but she ended up moving out of public housing and she bought a house on the West Side. And that's how I was exposed to the West Side of Chicago because she was able to save up money and work and provide a home. So where did that take you? So she, she brought you in. I haven't heard you mention your mom. What was her role? Um, my mom had a lot of struggles. She was addicted to drugs probably for the better part of 30 years. Um, I had an uncle who was addicted too. Um, and they drove my grandma crazy. But the trauma I experienced as a child um, was kind of inflicted upon her, by her. Um, my dad kind of sheltered me from stuff. Um, my mom, I hate to say it, but she really damaged me mentally and physically. Um, the mental part because of the drugs and the stuff I saw and stuff like that. But the physical part, um, I had like several near-death experiences. Um, being hit by a car, um, almost lost my thumb, had a broken arm, had a broken collarbone. Um, I almost lost my ankle on my right, my right foot. I had about 13 stitches in my head from a head injury. Um, but it was like all under her watch while she was addicted. She was heavily addicted to a substance. So um, that taught me a lot too, because when you're a kid and you're around this stuff, you don't think it affects you because um, your adrenaline is moving. You're a kid, you want to have fun. And I had the, I had, a, had an outlet to kind of get away from her. Mm -hmm. There were different outlets, but I didn't realize that that stuff affects you more when you're older it hits you and it hit me hard and I didn't realize it and it affected my relationship with my kid's mom a lot and I'm grateful for not my kids they didn't have to see that stuff they were never exposed to it they were very sheltered um but I think for black men we have to we have we have to understand how uh some of us really need therapy we got to go to therapy especially when you grow up like that you got to get it that's that's why I do this this platform yeah. and and the show because I I have been saved by that process you know a couple of times in my life where I've had a lot of trauma myself different from you different kind of experiences but I, I've always said what I learned was you know so much of our patterns and, and how we are as adults is based on our relationships with our parents. And, yep. and if you're say, you know, you are male, you're gonna have issues with women when you grow up because of your issues with your mom and and, and the same with a dad and, and vice versa. I know I, I love both my parents tremendously, but you know, I they both were flawed, as awesome as they were, they were both flawed and I found myself in these patterns with men primarily that reflected the the issues I had with my dad. 
And until I recognized that, I couldn't stop the patterns. I, I kept, it was like, I, I recognized that I was in a pattern. I would go from mm -hmm. one nice guy to one horrible guy to, I mean, horrible. And when I say nice, I mean really super nice and boring and no growth to a, a guy that would, you know, be abusive possibly. And, and, but, but the passion was strong. This back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, mm -hmm. back and forth. And it was all based on stuff that I needed to finalize and fix with my daddy. And so I can I can completely relate to that. So tell me about you now, all of this stuff, where did it take you? Um well it, it brought me to a point where a realization. I'm 37 now and um, it made me realize that life is very, very short. And that hit me hard in December because I lost my grandfather and a month later I lost my father. And my father was so sudden because he wasn't sick. And he got sick in, in October and January, he was gone like fast. So um, up to this point, it made me realize that life is short. You have to take care of your responsibilities. You have to put the past behind you because I had a, my struggles was um, I had a hard time dealing with my mom, not because of drugs. The drugs never bothered me, but it was because of her belligerence and her lack of understanding and her ignorance sometimes with certain with certain things. So I had to learn to put the past behind me because that'll affect you mentally and to get therapy, um, to let things go and to push forward. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, I'm kind of in a, I'm in a happy state. And you don't realize sometimes that you're not happy until it hits you hard or um, you have a panic attack or anxiety, like anxiety attack and you're trying to figure out where's this stress coming from. It's built up. It's built up stress. That's, you know, that's what I experience. So, so what, um, what do you do? How do you take all this phenomenal life experience? Because it, it, that's what it is. It's all the, the good and the bad area. There mm -hmm. is no good and bad, honestly. It's just all lessons to teach you to to do what you're supposed to do. So what? So how are you using this stuff in your, like, say, career, first off? Well, um, I have a lot of outlets, sports and athletics. Um, that was, like, really my biggest outlet to kind of get stress off. Every We, had, we didn't do it this year, but every year we run the, uh, the, the Sears Tower. 100 and like 30, 102 floors up. So sports was my outlet. Um, therapy's been my outlet. Doing things like this has been my outlet. I actually worked four years at the State Department of Corrections. And that was a very different setting to work in. But it was my outlet to say, hey, man, Jarrell, you could have ended up here. And I saw a lot of friends there, people I grew up with, people that knew my last name. I didn't know them because my family's last name. Um, but that really gave me a nuanced understanding to, um, like you said, about these life lessons and where it can lead you. So I've had these different experiences through work, through places I've been, um, through therapy, through talking to folks that has been my outlet to get me over the hump to um, be grateful for where I'm at and to understand that it could have been a lot worse. So um, what what is your career exactly? What do you do? So I've worked for the state for almost 20 years. I had 20 years June 16th. I started in high school, actually before that. But right now I'm assigned to the Illinois Comptroller's Office. And the Comptroller's kind of like the finance uh, 
politician, but I work in an area where we audit, we audit uh, funeral homes and cemeteries. We track their money coming in and stuff like that, and money that goes out. So that's where I'm at right now. That's an important job. Yeah. So um, Father's Day is coming up. Are you a daddy? My daddy, my, my daughter's 16, my son is 14. They're both, my daughter's a junior in high school, my son's a freshman, just graduated eighth grade. Um, so yeah, um, being a dad has been a great experience. Um, being the oldest of six kids, it kind of prepared me. Um, I wouldn't change that for the world because that really put me, um, it put me in a place where I didn't know everything on how to raise a kid, but I was like halfway there because I really took care of my, my siblings, even into their adulthood, I was taking care of them. Um, so I had kids young, fairly young, but I wouldn't change it because being the oldest of six, you never have your own room, right? And then the age gap was so wide, like my daughter's 16, my youngest sister is 18. Wow. You know, so like they're best friends, you know, so. Um, but yes, that, that's been a fun experience. Um, I've kind of, my strength is uh, taking care of kids. I should have started daycare, that's what I should have did. I totally, I, <laughs> oldest of seven here. So wow. I completely understand and you are absolutely right. It does prepare you. But what I found for me is it doesn't prepare you for how much you're gonna love your own. You, you love your, the kids in, that you take care of in your life but the kind of love you have for your own is just really, there's nothing like it. That's, that was my, I, I thought, you know, when I had my daughter, uh, you know, oh, I've done this before. Oh my gosh, the love I had for her, I was so protective and I was so, oh my gosh. So I, I totally understand. And I am so proud of you for all you've done. And I can't wait to get more into your life on June 16th on the PPC radio show from Tudor. For Eastern, please, guys, join us in that uh, so you can hear more for from uh, Jarrell Reed. I can't wait to to get to know you more. And thank you so much for being with us today. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much for letting me in. I have been so blessed to have people in my life, just like Jarrell did, who have helped to ground me. I also realized that if I hadn't been ready to be steadied, it wouldn't have, couldn't have worked. I was so blessed to have my grandparents, my, my parents, my aunts and uncles, teachers, friends, co-workers who at one time or another slowed my role and you all know who you are I wouldn't be who I am I wouldn't be sane without you well that's it for another PPC podcast thank you again to Jarrell Reed for his story and his energy he is going places if you want to hear more from Jarrell join the PPC crew on Wednesday, June 16th from 2 to 4 Eastern on the PPC radio show airing on Facebook, YouTube, 
and Insta Live, and on www.thegrown, that's a grown with an E, folksradio.com. Thank you, Megan, my sister, aka MC Lyric, for wonderful production and beats. Love you. All right, you guys have a wonderful week. Until next time, that's a wrap, 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 wrap. Hi, this is Cinda Williams. Before there was a PPC podcast or PPC radio show, there was Pink Panty Confessions, the book. No, I didn't write a book about underwear. It is a self-help memoir where I share some of my strange, complicated, and inspiring moments. It's a blessing for me to share with you. You can find it on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Hi everyone, this is Cinda Williams coming to you with some exciting news. Every Wednesday, the grownfolksradio.com presents the PPC Radio Show. Every Wednesday from 2 to 4 Eastern, Shelly Show Williams and I are co-hosting this Heal Yourself platform. We are talking about improving the mind, body, and soul. DJ Joe Storm will be bringing us uplifting music. CJ Julianis is our financial therapist. We're going to have phenomenal guests and various therapists, life coaches, and spiritual leaders. And DJ Kid Disco is producing it all. All of this to help us on our paths to restoration. So please join us every Wednesday from 2 to 4 Eastern on the PPC Radio Show at www.thegrownfolksradio.com.